As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. Here we go. The Jets, they're three and two, and we have a big game coming up in a couple of days in Green Bay against the Packers. We're going to get you ready here on the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Zach Rosenblatt, our Jets writer at The Athletic, and Marissa Dunn, our producer. Lots to get to today. More accolades for the Jets rookies. We'll talk about that. Zach Wilson, game manager. Why you shouldn't be concerned about that. I don't know why that's a, a big thing right now. Uh, and of course, facing Aaron Rodgers and the pack on the road. We'll also throw in our week six picks. A lot to get to. Um, Zach, we started earlier than we were hoping to. And I know it pulled you away from lunch at at one jets drive and i know and anybody who follows well follows your predecessor knows about the food there but you <laughs> yeah, sent us a picture a too we pulled you away from a pretty good spread today <laughs> i i apologize for that it's my fault, but we are we are getting started early today Nah, i it's it's all right i, I probably would have missed it anyway but i liked blaming you either way <laughs> happy to take the blame all right let's start let's start with news and notes um for the third time in five weeks, the Jets have the Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Week in the NFL. It is Sauce Gardner. It could have easily been Brees Hall as well. Those two guys uh, neck and neck, but you can only vote for one. Only one can win. Brees took week four. Garrett Wilson took week two. There's no reason to think. I feel like I don't know how the vote will go if Jets fan, you know, as the season goes. But like three out of five, it almost feels like considering this Jets rookie class, you could get to the end of this season and like eight of 18 rookies of the week came from the jets or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like the fan base just like all decided they were just going to, cause it's a van fan vote thing. Right. They all decided they were going to vote for sauce this week just because he hadn't gotten it yet. Um, because I think Brees numbers wise would have gotten it otherwise. Um, and I think there was, I forget how many, but they, they won a few last year as well. So I think they've won the most of those in the league. I think Zach Wilson won once or twice. Brandon Eccles won one. Uh, I think maybe someone else that I'm blank, maybe Elijah, I think Elijah Moore. So, I mean, that that speaks to a lot of like the makeup of this roster, how the young guys are are carrying them right now, which we've obviously talked a lot about. Um, and then injury news uh, before we get into the beef of the podcast. Uh, there's the good and the bad, right? Jermaine Johnson uh, still day to day, but out for Sunday. 
Um, but then the good news, Quincy Williams back practicing and will play Sunday. Um, this linebacking core is something we've talked about um, more negative than positive so far this season. So I feel like getting Quincy Williams back out there for this Packers game. Huge. Yeah, I think I think it it gives them obviously more depth and like more variety of like skill sets, whereas like I think maybe Quan and, and even CJ to CJ Mosley to a degree, like maybe they're better when there's like they can split up the responsibilities between a few guys as opposed to Quan having to play 70 snaps a game. I think he's shown some flashes. His, he has some of that speed that made him a pro bowler a while back. Uh, I think he struggles a little bit in coverage still. But yeah, I think that's very prominent, especially because Quincy's injury looked pretty serious when it happened a couple weeks ago. So they clearly dodged the bullet. They didn't put him on IR, which was notable. Uh, so yeah, they're they're getting him back just as they're losing a guy in Jermaine Johnson, um, who you know the rookie who had made flashes each game was only playing like twenty snaps a game. Uh, in, in my head, I thought maybe Bryce Huff would get more snaps uh, with him out, but if they act, activate Vinnie Curry off injured reserve, which sounds like is a possibility at least, uh, it, it might wind up just, he he might just wind up taking the place of Jermaine or whatever. You know, Vinnie's also interesting that he can shuffle inside, but um, I saw a lot of fans. Being like, all right, so it's Michael Clemens' turn to win uh, Rookie of the Week now that he's gonna be, <laughs> not, now that Jermaine's out, so he'll he'll be able to get those snaps or whatever. So uh, Max Mitchell can. I don't think offensive linemen would anyway, but uh, that would be pretty funny if Michael Clemens went out and like sacked Aaron Rodgers three times or something. But and and it almost wouldn't be surprising at this point the way this rookie class yeah. is, is kind of gone. Um, so every week, I don't know how many you know people have caught on to this. I assume if they're athletic subscribers, they have. But you do your optimism and concern story each week and it's funny how it it kind of it's not a set number of things right like it changes from yeah. week to week and this week no surprise a lot of optimism in the story um i want to get to some of that stuff because some of it relates directly to this game as well one of your big ones was carl lawson and the way that this yeah. jets defense is is getting to the quarterback uh, finally after like getting the yeah. pressure, but not the sacks. They're starting to get the sacks. Uh, but this week is a special challenge for Lawson because he's got to go up against David Bakhtiari, obviously uh, the best of the best in the, in the NFL, as far as offensive linemen go. And he's sounds like he's psyched. Yeah. He told this great story about um, his rookie year. His first sack of year came against Aaron Rodgers, but Bakhtiari was injured that day. So he didn't play. And so he said after the game, like Bakhtiari went up to him and like congratulated him. But Carl Lawson's like he was kind of implying like if I was there, you wouldn't have gotten that sack kind of thing. And they haven't had a chance to play each other since then, both either because of injuries or, you know, he was on the Bengals. It's not like the Bengals and Packers are playing each other a lot. Uh, so this is going to be I, I think Bakhtiari's banged up. He's limited this week. I think he's going to play. I, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, so, yeah, Carl Lawson, you know, he. He actually he tore his Achilles in Green Bay last year during the joint practices. That's he right. didn't really seem to care about like the connection there. He he seems to care more about the opportunity to go against Bakhtiari for the first time because that just it, it's just interesting. Like you don't you know you 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 talk. I feel like we talk more about like you know the the cornerback and wide receiver matchups and things like that. But like for a defensive end to like look that much forward to playing a specific offensive lineman is pretty cool to me. So it's gonna be interesting to to see them do battle, especially you know Carl. I think he had something like seven. I forget what we said. He had like seven QB hits last week. He's like second in the league in QB hits. Uh, he's clearly becoming the guy that they they paid to be that guy. And if he's playing that well next to Quinton Williams, who's playing as well as he is, and JFM, who's playing really well, like that's one of the most talented D-lines in the league when they're at their best. And when that D-line is playing well 
and they have those two cornerbacks, like this defense could be like special, like not just like good. It, it could be special if they play like they have the last two weeks. And the, um, you know, the, the defensive front as a whole, you mentioned the last two weeks, the number, right? Pressure percentage tops in the NFL, 46.5%. Um, you said that, you know, guys don't necessarily speak about going head to head with one guy in those matchups. I feel like they think about it though, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. rare that they actually voice it. And it's cool that Carl Lawson's at the point where he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there to the media and everybody to know that I'm psyched to go up against this guy. And it basically is calling out back to Ari too, right? Like, okay, this guy's kind of coming for me. Yeah. I, I feel like the opposite happens a lot where like the offensive lineman will talk about like, we need to stop Miles Garrett. We need to stop JJ Watt. But I don't think you hear it from the opposite end quite as much. Um, so that, that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on, especially because I feel like Jets fans pay more attention to the trenches than a lot of fan bases that I've that I've been a part of, just because they're obsessed with ABT right now. Um, but yeah, that so that it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and that's going to be kind of you know a big thing because the Packers they have a really good running game. You know, I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a bit, uh, like the the Jets trying to stop it, but uh, the receivers aren't as good, and so. That doesn't necessarily matter there in Rodgers. Like he's good enough to overcome that. But if you're getting hitting him a lot and you're pressuring him a lot and you're just kind of like taking away the passing game as a real threat, uh, that, that, that'll do a lot for them to be able to stop that run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the O-line, three pressures on 21 pass attempts. They've been good as well. That was another one of your positives. You mentioned AVT, but how much, you know, at practice this week, how much of an impression did you get that like having the same group actually together, right, from last week to this week, what kind of a difference can that make heading into Green Bay? I mean, it's going to be the first time they've had that since, what, going into week three, I think. And that was when George Fant was banged up anyway. <laughs> like, um, I mean, it's pretty – I mean, I feel the season has felt like so long. If you just purely base it on the offensive line, you'd think they've played a full season already. Um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Damian Woody uh, for my preview that came out today about AVT just because I just wanted to talk to an offensive lineman who can, you know, relate. And D Damian Woody, over the course of his career – played four out of five positions, including center, which is a little different, but he's like, I, I that was my, that was like 12 years. Like he's, <laughs> he's done this in three weeks. Like that just, again, we're, we're going to talk about him. I feel like every week, even if we don't want to, but um, the fact that they can go into the next week, they have Dwayne Brown for the second straight week, you know, getting his sea legs under him. Uh, you have the interior guys uh, all playing and Nate Herbig getting another start. So I, Again, that's another thing like the D-line. If the offensive line plays that well, like Zach Wilson has graded out as like one of the best quarterbacks with a clean pocket this season so far. He's graded out as maybe the worst with pressure. So you can kind of just see like the, the difference it's going to make is is the, the offensive line is really the X factor here because if Zach Wilson has time to work, he's looked pretty – even if they only need him to be a game manager again, which I know you, you mentioned we'll probably talk about, um, that's perfectly fine because he, he's probably not going to turn the ball over if he's not getting pressured. So um, I'm very – they, they – Packers defense hasn't played that well, but they do have some talented defensive linemen. They have Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, uh, guys like that who can get after the quarterback. So that that the the, the trenches, it's a cliche because it's a key every week. But for the Jets in particular, when their trenches are playing well, they're especially now that they have the talent, they're, they're it like really changes things. Uh, you mentioned Zach. Might as well transition to yeah. that right now. I had that number that you had in your story: PFF ranking Wilson number two, clean pocket, thirty-one when pressured. Um, I feel like as big a difference as that is, it's also something that you almost expect when it yeah. comes to young quarterbacks in the NFL. But let's talk about the game manager thing, because it feels like when you bring that up, like if it's on Twitter or whatever, there's pushback 
from the fan base or, or from people in general, that like that's not good enough for the number two pick in the draft and, and, and this and that. Um, my thing is like that, that I feel like I always go back to is when you think about some, some great quarterbacks in the NFL in their first couple of years, that's what they were, right? Like granted he's the number two pick versus, you know, the pick that Tom Brady was, but think about Tom Brady, right? That, that Super Bowl season for the Patriots, the first one, when they beat the Rams, which was Brady's second year in the NFL, uh, he was not just a game manager, but like a game manager that they scaled back the playbook for, I think a little bit from what Drew Bledsoe had, um, just to make sure that he had a grasp of it. Grant, he, he drove them down the field in that Super Bowl in the final two minutes to, to kick the game winning field goal. Um, but even that, I, I remember at that time, a lot of Patriots fans in the moment being like, all right, kneel on it. Let's go to overtime because we don't trust this young quarterback to not turn the ball over in the final minute against this yeah. Rams team. And that was who he was. And now he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not saying Zach Wilson's heading to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm just saying like, let him be a game manager this year, maybe next year. Who knows? Like he's got the physical tools to develop. So, you know, if, if game managing is enough with this talent base around him to, to get wins, then like fine. Right. Yeah, there's something about the the phrasing of game manager. Like I even saw a comment uh, just a bit ago that it, game manager associated with mediocre QB is what uh, Kev said. Um, and and I, so I, I think there's just something about like the phrasing of it that rubs people the wrong way. But I, I think it's really it, it's going to sound clear today, but it's just about whatever you have to do to win the game. Like he he did not look like a game manager in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. Like He, he looked like a potential star in that quarter. Um they didn't need him to be a star last week. They wanted to run the ball a lot and they wanted him to just manage the game. Like I, it, it's almost going to be week to week. Like you just, it, there's going to be some teams where Zach Wilson's not going to be able to go and, and beat them on his own. And because like you said, like this team is more talented than it's been in a long time because of that, you don't need him to carry them on his back because he has the, the supporting cast around him to like help him get, get through four quarters without making like big mistakes. And, you have, you have to remember, and Salas pointed this out too. He hasn't even played 17 games yet. I don't believe. I forget what he's at. I think something like 15 games in his career, um, or 16. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, the point being, he hasn't played like a full season of games yet, so he's still going through growing pains that like even a rookie would. So you know, the, the Jets are just trying to win, and the fact the fact that fans can even be nitpicky right now <laughs> kind of says like where they've already fully transitioned into you know believing this is a winning team. So. It's uh, you know, you take it week to week. If if they need if they need Zach Wilson to go and throw three touchdowns, then or they need to throw the ball forty times with them, then they will. Um, but I don't think that's how you're going to beat the Packers necessarily. I, I think you're going to want to see another mistake-free game from Zach, where he makes a couple of impressive plays, doesn't turn the ball over, uh, you know, doesn't hold on to the ball too long when he's getting pressure, gets rid of it when he has to, and gets the ball to his playmakers. And I, I think that's kind of how they win this game. Yeah. So I think, right, when we're looking for progress from Zach Wilson, it's not that like suddenly he's throwing for 350 yards and three touchdowns. It's he's continuing to not turn the ball over. Yeah. And then the one thing I want to see is just the development of chemistry with certain receivers. Right. And like, like I want to see Elijah Moore become part of this offense. Yeah. I feel like that's a better way to kind of judge Zach Wilson this season than suddenly he's putting up like Pro Bowl quarterback numbers. Yeah, I mean, since he's played, even Garrett Wilson hasn't been as involved in the offense. Yeah. And Elijah Moore all season hasn't been involved in the offense. So these are guys that 
I don't, it's not even that they're not getting open. It's just like, it's not even that Zach necessarily has been missing them quite like Joe Flacco was. Um, but that's just not been like where the offense has been flowing. And I mean, clearly Zach has chemistry with Corey Davis, like pre-built in, uh, and they have something going, but you also have to get the playmakers involved. So it, like, again, it's going to be a week to week thing. I think, I don't think Elijah Moore is going to not have a breakout game all year. I, you know, it's, I thought it would have happened by now because, you know, I, I think he, I was pretty high in him coming out of training camp, as you know, um, and Garrett Wilson showed what he can do in week two, but you know, if, if the, you know, if the play, if the, the course of the game doesn't call for them to be a part of it and, and they can still get a win, then it's okay. And, and then if they lose and they, and Garrett Wilson only had three targets and Elijah Moore only had two targets, then, then it's worth criticizing them. But, um, I think the coaching staff on offense has done a pretty good job so far of just week to week. They, they adjust according to what they're playing against. Like last week, you saw a lot more of that 12 personnel. You saw a lot more CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, they ran the ball a lot, as we mentioned, um, and you saw Corey Davis uh, make a couple plays. Like I, I just think it, it's it really is just going to be a, they have enough weapons that they can change week to week what they do, which is only makes them harder to prepare for if you're another team. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, though, more on the Packers game specifically, Lafleur versus Lafleur. We'll get into that. Aaron Rodgers versus Sauce Gardner. So many great matchups beyond what we already talked about with Bakhtiari and Lawson. Uh, we'll be back after this quick break. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, it's LaFleur versus LaFleur and a bunch of other matchups. But let's start there. These are two guys that bro- obviously the brothers are very close. Uh, Zach, they talk every week of the season. They talk about the game, the games their teams are playing. But it's been radio silence, right, since yes, since last weekend. Well, that's what that's what the, the company line is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even imagine what it would be like going against my brother in a situation like that. Like you're your livelihood is, I mean, it's not on the line. That's like being extreme, but like, you're, you know, I don't know. That's, it's very interesting to me. I can't, maybe they're not talking to each other this week, but um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, not only that, but LaFleur and Sala, if you even remove the brother thing, like LaFleur, Matt, Matt LaFleur, sorry, I guess I have to specify in this case. Um, they, they're as close as you can get, like for yeah. not working together. Like they, they work together as graduate assistants at Central Michigan. They like lived in the same room together. They had a very small office. Sala said it's the size of the podium he was standing at. <laughs> he was exaggerating. Um, uh, and and then when Sala went to the Texans, he like got his name. He got Lafleur's name to Gary Kubiak and Kyle Shanahan. So he helped get Lafleur hired there. And then they kind of went through their journey a little bit together, their coaching journey. And 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 Mike Lafleur had a, like a funny story about how Robert would be over their house when. When Mike was still in high school, he would be over to LaFleur's house and they'd be like watching film together. And and 
Mike, who was a lot younger, like just wanted the TV to like play video games or something. And they were like hogging it and he, and he didn't like it, how much time Robert was spending there or something. Um, so it's just like, it's like, it's sometimes this happens like two, two weeks in a row to have like a really close friend of the coach. Like you just really like th this is, these are the times where I really like, it really opens your eyes to how close, like, I don't know, small the coaching community is like all these guys have ties to each other that you wouldn't expect. Like I, I have a story I have coming out tomorrow that um, about somebody on their staff, like that's kind of behind the scenes. And he's just like saying all this stuff about the people he used to work with and how he, when he met Robert Sala, like way back in the day when they were with the Jaguars, it's, it's just like, it, it blows my mind sometimes that the connections that you find uh, in between. And that's what, and then you figure out why certain guys were hired onto certain staffs and things like that. But anyway, like to, to go back to the LaFleur thing, like this all, all stems from like the Shanahan tree and they all have a lot of similar philosophies and personalities and, um, I'm sure it's going to be very surreal for everyone that, that is close to them this week. You have these trees, right? And they go through their moments. There was the, there's been the Andy Reed tree and the Belichick tree, which is not a very good one <laughs> beyond yeah. actually Belichick. Um, and now you have the Shanahan tree, uh, which is right now as hot as any of the trees yeah. across the NFL. I mean, it's on fire right now with all these young guys. I don't think you want a tree on fire. That's not true. <laughs> uh, <it's> burning. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fine. Fair enough. Let's move on. Um, so beyond the, the floor name, obviously the, the big thing this weekend is, is Aaron Rodgers. And this is a Packers team that's um, wounded a little bit coming off the loss to the giants in London last week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does not handle defeat. Well, He's won 12 straight games coming off a loss. The numbers in those games, uh, this is from one of your stories, Zach, I think, but two, 269 yards, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. The 269 yards, an average. 26 yeah. touchdowns, five interceptions, a 107.5 rating uh, in those 12 straight wins coming off losses. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's still at the top of his game. Um, but I will say the weapons on this current team aren't quite what they've been. And I think that's a spot where, you know, you go into this game. And I think when you even looked on this, the schedule and saw this game coming into the season, Jets, Packers in green Bay L right. Immediate L. But as you see this Packers team play early in the season, the other three and two, um, but they don't have the weapons that we're used to seeing with Aaron Rodgers, And it's forcing him to do a lot more himself. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that seems off about this Packers team, and it does seem like there's some level of frustration. I say, there was a quote. I think some people misinterpreted it as a shot at the Jets. I didn't take it as if somebody on the Packers defense was like, we're not worried yet, but if we lose to the Jets next week, we'll be worried. I think he was saying more like, if we lose two games in a row um, in the way that we've lost them, I think we need to be worried. And you don't really like hearing a team that's supposed to be contender talking like that in week five. Um, so, yeah, the, that's, I mean, that's the weird thing about the NFL. I feel like in general, a lot of the teams that we expected to be very good haven't quite been there. And there's a lot of teams like the Giants and the Jets and even the Eagles who have just been dominant. I don't know. People thought they were going to be good. I don't think anybody saw them being the last undefeated team. Like, So you're seeing a lot of stuff like that. And the Packers are sometimes a team that does start slow. But I, I think you're really seeing the mistake they made. And I mean, they, not, not just letting Devontae Adams go, but not really replacing him with anything proven. These rookies clearly weren't ready. I mean, Randall Cobb is still like his top option, that receiver. And and so, and I'm sure you're going to get into this, but, um, you know, Sa Sauce Gardner, like the, the matchup to me is not Sauce Gardner against a receiver. It's Sauce Gardner against Aaron Rodgers because um, it's more of a battle of the wits in that way. Because as Robert Sala said, like uh, there can be a tight, it can be a very tight window and Rodgers will still get the ball to a guy. Um, 
And he's he's known for picking on rookie corners. Like he destroyed the Bears corner, Kyler Gordon, earlier this year. Um, and he's going to be looking at sauce. You know, DJ Reed is, is shutting down his side of the field. The the Jets keep them on their sides. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how sauce handles himself on the road in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm not at this point. I think we all can agree that he's not like scared of the moment. Like it's not going to be too big for him. It's not going to be too much for him. But um, will he have his first slip up is, is the question. And, you know, until we see him have that, see that happen, I, I don't think we will. But I mean, if anybody's going to trick him, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. So it's a great point, though. He's he's got this swagger to him, sauce. And, you know, he's the coverage has been fantastic. And for 90 percent, 95 percent of quarterbacks, that's enough. But then you have like Aaron Rodgers has this next level where he can, you know, squeeze it into that corner yeah. or or do something tricky to trick you and things that. I feel like at this point, Sauce, everything he's seen, his physical talents have enabled him to be right there and be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. But this week is the week where, like, it goes beyond the physical talents. You you said it in, like, a match of wits. Um, I think even if he does what he's done all season and is just as good covering these, these Packers wide receivers, he's still going to, like, learn a lot. Like, this is going to be yeah. a learning experience for Sauce that, you know, whether he – shuts down the receivers for the Packers or he gets burned a couple times. Either way, he's going to be a better cornerback down the road because of facing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And Jeff Ulbrich, I think it was, had a funny quote about sauce where he said that uh, he's like so confident in himself and so like unbothered by like mistakes or whatever that like, if, if, if something happens like the miscommunication that led to the Amari Cooper, Cooper touchdown, or if he gives up a catch or something, he, he said sauce will just be like, yeah, that, the wind was blowing weird on that player, like like something like that. Um, so he he just has he has the right stuff, uh, you know, to use that cliche. Like I I just think he's the real deal. And yeah, like you said, this is gonna be a very good learning experience for him because I don't think they're gonna be going against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers because they don't play Patrick Mahomes uh, this year. So you're not really or Tom Brady. So you're not really gonna go against a quarterback like that as a rookie. So this is gonna be a great test for him. Um, whether he's good or bad, like I don't think you blame him either way. I I, I think he'll be good. Uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how he handles this. And, you know, if he can handle, if he can, you know, if he, if he does make a mistake, if he can bounce back on the next play and, and pick him off or something, you know, something that's been, uh, kind of rampant in the NFL this year, right. Recently is like these roughing the passer penalties, uh, yeah. that are questionable. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, you mentioned this week in your writing about, um, the jets situational coordinator because of Aaron Rodgers and the fact that future hall of famers tend to get extra calls. Uh, they've really gone over that this week that the, the focus on not getting, I don't want to say a stupid penalty because some of the ones this year that we've seen yeah. are questionable. So just avoiding any chance of getting a roughing the, the passer penalty this week. Yeah. And as Quinn and Williams said, especially with Aaron Rodgers, like the reality is quarterbacks like that, like get, get showed a little favoritism from the officials. So um, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard because, like you said, there's a couple that are very questionable. And so you're, you're taught to tackle the quarterback and bring him down to the ground. And if like, you're getting, if you're not going to like stop yourself when you're diving at him. So a lot of these penalties are, they bring him all the way to the ground or they keep going after he gets rid of the ball and, and then they get a penalty. The jets have had a couple of them this year. I, I can't remember if any of them were like truly questionable. I, I know Carl Lawson was called for one a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a point of emphasis because this this defensive line, I think, is going to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think the Packers' own line scares you as much as it used to necessarily, especially because they're banged up. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be something to keep an eye on because I think it's 
the the Tua thing is kind of what uh, probably led the officials to being told to you know be, be a little more protective of the quarterbacks and you know that that impacts defensive lines and, and teams that are trying to get after the QBs. So um, that's definitely gonna be something that in the Jets' losses this year, a lot of their mistakes came on stuff like that where they had ill-timed penalties, miscommunications, things like that. And you can't have those mistakes against Aaron Rodgers, so he'll take advantage of that. Yeah, the two things you can't do, it seems like, are land on the quarterback in yeah. any way, yeah. um, even if it's unavoidable, yeah. or throw the quarterback down. Like that, those are seems like those have become automatic calls. Um, obviously, Tua was thrown down, and that's how that happened that you mentioned. Um, those are the two things you want to avoid. You just gotta tackle him. But that's it's so hard, right? Like these guys fight so hard to get to the quarterback, and now you're telling them once you get there, be careful. <laughs> It's just impossible uh, to be a, a pass rusher in the NFL right now. Um, you mentioned a little earlier in the episode stopping the run. Uh, we talked so much about Aaron Rodgers, but the fact is, like the Jets with this two-headed monster of running back, the Packers have something similar, only their two guys are a little more experienced than, than the Jets' first-year and second-year players. So how does this – Quincy Williams is back. That's part of it. But how does this Jets' defensive front control this Packers' rushing attack? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a better running back dude than that, too, honestly, just because their skill sets complement each other so well. You have Aaron Jones, who's very explosive. I think he averages something like six yards a carry. Um, he's a really good pass catcher and he's explosive. And then you have AJ Dillon, who's just huge and really hard to bring down. Uh, and you saw last week in the Raheem Moster, they struggled a little bit. I think some of that was purposeful. They played well parks more. They were trying to, they were doing a big nickel and they were trying to just prevent big plays over the top. And they were, you know, Gonna let the let the Dolphins try to beat them by running the ball, and it, and it worked. I don't know if you, it'll work as well against the Packers because they can really grind out those big yards and those big plays. And then if the running game's working, then things start opening up for Aaron Rodgers. So I am going to be interested to see how they play it. You probably do have to play more three linebacker sets, I imagine, and you know get Quincy Williams in there if he's feeling good, and C.J. Mosley and and uh, Quan Alexander, and and hope that they can you know bring guys down. That's going to be a big thing because tackling has been an issue a lot of times this season. Um, yeah, so how, how they control the running game is going to be a really big factor in, uh, you know, because if the if the Packers are running the clock out, uh, that's that's not a good thing either, and they're opening up the passing game for Rodgers, like I said. So it's uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. All right, when we come back, picks and a discussion about what what would a win mean for this Jets team in 2022. We'll be right back. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, welcome back. Uh, before we get to picks and our listener picker this week, uh, one more topic to cover, and that is what if the Jets win this game, right? This is the one we've gone through this season and we had our picks, and like I think a lot of people could see two and three happening. Three and two is obviously a nice surprise, um, but four and two with the win at Lambeau Field. Zach, I feel like that changes everything for this team the rest of the way as far as expectations and and the league taking notice of what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, we pointed, we pointed this, this stretch before the season, since the schedule came out as the hardest stretch of the season. Um, I would say the Miami green Bay, Denver, back to back to back. I mean, Miami, they got at a good time, obviously uh, green Bay doesn't look as good. Denver doesn't look as good. Excuse me. So if you, if you come out of this green Bay game, you're at four and two, three games until the bye. If even if you only win one more game at that point, you go into the bye with five wins. Uh and the, and the back half of the schedule doesn't look that hard. Like you really have to start talking about the playoffs at that point and thinking about it at the very least cuz um you know the the Jets just haven't started that well in in a very long time. And to beat a Packers team on the road in Green Bay, I think that would be like the real statement that this team's legit and that it wasn't just two fourth quarter comebacks that have led them to this point or it wasn't them getting lucky that Skylar Thompson was a quarterback. It's that this team is actually a team that you have to really take seriously. And I think it, it would really, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to see how this, how the town would react, especially with the Giants playing well too. Like it, I can't imagine the last time there's this been level of excitement for like two young, especially because they're young teams, like just something about the way they're winning and, and things like that. Like it, it would be truly special if they came out and win. And, and, you know, I would have to take some of the credit as the, as the good luck charm. <laughs> I can uh, I can't wait till uh, if it happened on Monday morning if the Giants also win the back pages predicting mm. like the all New York Super Bowl. Oh yeah, and right the now. Yankees. Don't oh forget. yeah, really Yankees. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how great would New York be? If uh, well, but let's pump the brakes on the all whatever, right? Because there was a time in May when everybody was talking about the Mets Yankees Super uh, World Series. <laughs> what, happened, what happened to the Mets? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that went terribly wrong. Uh, so. But anyway, it, it will be interesting because, like, you know, the back pages have been known to exaggerate things, both directions, <laughs> negative or positive. So if both teams lose this week, I'm sure the back page. The, yeah, the that's also thing. something like, that's also something we should say, like, it, there's a definitely a scenario and, you know, not to be a negative. I know everybody's been happy that I've been all positive, but yeah, if they lose this game, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not saying you get worried because they already have free wins uh, earlier than we thought they would maybe, but. You lose that game, winning on the road in Denver is hard. Uh, beating the Patriots is always hard for this team, and the Bills yeah. are very hard. So all of a sudden you're like, uh, uh-oh. So hmm. it's not a swing game. It's too early for that. And like I said, they're already doing better than we thought. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, things can change very quickly in this league. Yeah, you know what's a swing game is next week's is the yeah. swing game, I feel like, right? Because, like, even right now, as, as good as we're feeling about this Jets team, it's hard. it's just hard to envision them going to Green Bay and winning. Um, whereas even if they lose and they're three and three, that Bronco game against the team that has been in disarray this season, that feels like the one that like suddenly they should win. And then if they lose that one, everything you just said is yeah. everything gets harder from there. Um, the, the, uh, the feelings around Robert Sala and his staff that have gone from like the receipt comments, some <laughs> bad things said at the podium, what are we doing to suddenly like everything's working? You know, the, the drafts have been great. The team's winning. It's all positive. Suddenly it goes right back the other way. Just like 
just like that with back-to-back losses. But um, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's focus in again on this week and let's move on to our picks. Um, and we're going to welcome in Michael Dunn, 1A. Uh, not my long- husband, Michael Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> the original Michael Dunn. <laughs> the, the OG. Long time uh, listener and viewer of the Can't Wait podcast. We tried to get him on last week. He was a little busy, but this week he cleared his schedule for us, which we appreciate very much. Uh, 1A, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. And I'm old enough to be number one and Marissa's father. So, I mean, <laughs> let's just throw that out there right now. So, if there's any confusion in regards to <laughs> God, no, no, that's, that's scary to think about. But. You know what? Anyway, there's probably. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. There's probably people that, you know, people that have been watching on YouTube for for a couple of years, obviously understand what's going on here. But like, we should probably explain that, you know, if you don't know, Marissa's husband is Michael Dunn. And (laughs) Michael Dunn is joining us right now. And when we first started streaming the show on YouTube, they both just kind of appeared in the chat section as Michael Dunn, and it became this kind of funny thing. Uh, Marissa, yeah, you the brought Spider-Man up like, this, meme, the Spider-Man meme, right? Yeah, with yeah, them yeah. pointing at each other. Yeah. Um, we, and that I, was we had my husband Michael Dunn joining because we didn't know if we were gonna have people in the chat. So I was we like, needed somebody oh, you gotta, to like, join. Hype yeah. up the, you know. <laughs> yeah, he and was like our official cheerleader. Yes, yep. lots of people, including so that's why the joke is one A, um, because he is the right. original Michael Dunn. So we are very <laughs> happy to have him on. He dates back beginning of the podcast so loyal listener so thank you and we appreciate all of the comments and viewership throughout the years well i remember right. when hashtag one the michael dunn got, <laughs> got outed during that playoff game against the steelers when he made yeah. the surprise start and i remember sending a tweet to the then jets athletic beat writer whose name will go unmentioned <laughs> right now, where i said wait a minute michael dunn University of Maryland. Hmm. <laughs> one named Marissa likes to talk about fearing the turtle quite a bit during the podcast. And then I think uh, Connor said something along the lines of, uh, we're going to address that on Monday's pod. <laughs> all the, truth, the, the full truth was revealed. Connor can never keep anything to himself oh, for too yeah. long. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get to the picks, uh, Marissa, you have the uh, the board up here, right? It's yes. it's not going well for Man. the three of us, but the listeners on fire right now, despite that guy that you had mentioned starting things off 0-3 since then, 8-7. and 7. So 8-4 and 4 since that week one debacle, uh, whereas the rest of us all tied 6-9, 6-9, 6-9, although Marissa with some momentum coming yeah. off a 2-1 and one week last week. We always start the picks with and if you're watching on uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, which I tend to ignore uh, and forget, <laughs> uh, we have a, a standings up right now. The listeners are eight and seven. The rest of us uh, six and nine. So with that, we always start with the leader giving the picks first, and that means the listeners this week. So Michael Dunn, one A, a lot of pressure. Yeah. All righty. So I'm I'm looking at the. Uh... The lines this week, I was just fascinated by a lot of the uh, the underdogs. So my, yeah, my first pick is I'm taking the Cowboys getting six and a half versus the Eagles. I mean, I'm looking at what the Eagles have done this year. They've beaten five teams that I wouldn't consider world beaters in any sense. And their average win has been by like nine points per game. So uh, give me the Eagles who, you know, and, and Dallas has looked good against, you know, they've beaten the likes of Cincinnati, the Rams, the Giants, who are now considered a really good team, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere. 
Um, their one loss was to Tampa, um, and they lost Dak early in that game. So I like the, the Cowboys in this one. I want the six and a half points with that game. So right. that's that's my first pick. Um, second one, another dog. Give me the Falcons getting five and a half for the 49ers. I don't think many people have realized the Falcons have played really well this year, even yeah. though they've only got a record of two and three. I mean, just just like, you know, what I was saying about Dallas. I mean, Atlanta's been in every game that they've played against so far. You know, they played well against the Rams and they played well against Tampa. They've won a couple games. And I noticed that uh, San Francisco also has got a lot of injuries this week. Um, Trent Williams might be out. Armstead, Bosa, Kinlaw from the defensive line are all going to be out. So I think this game and, you know, in Atlanta, I think the dome is going to be pretty noisy down there. So so I want the Falcons in that game. And I'm saying give me the Falcons in five and a half. And third one, I went back and forth between two teams. So uh, between two games. And it was either loyalty out of to my namesake or loyalty to my actual team. So I'll just say <laughs> I'm going to go with my Jets getting seven and a half points against the Packers. Um, and I'm usually a skeptical Jets fan. In fact, I'm one of the guys that you were talking about earlier who still wants to see a little more from, from Zach being a little bit more of a game manager before I can say that he is a, you know, a can't miss quarterback. So yeah, he's doing what he needs to do right now, but I need to see a little bit more from him. But anyway, back to the pick, um, you know, you've been hearing all this week, Aaron Rodgers is angry. Yeah. So what, you know, <laughs> I don't care, you know, so he, you're three and two, you lost, you lost to the giants and you're flying back from London. And that's, what's making you angry. The fact that you lost to the giants who many are considering to be a good team. Uh, and I'm looking at the matchups, and you guys were discussing it earlier in in regards to previewing this game. Um, I like having Sauce and DJ and MC Squared going up against Cobb and Dobbs and um, and Alan Lazard. I think that's a very very favorable matchup in the Jets' favor, particularly given the fact that we've got a pass rush finally for the first time in a while. You know, I mean, they're they're getting after the quarterback. They're getting the pressures that we've been waiting for for years and years and years. And 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 to do the flip side. I like our matchups of Elijah and Garrett Wilson and um, uh, Corey Davis versus the, the Packers back um, cornerbacks. And I've also noticed the Packers have been giving up a lot of running yards, a lot of running yards. So you're going to get Brees Hall, who's going to be healthy, and Michael Carter probably splitting some carries. You know, it's been leaning more towards Brees recently, but I'm sure Michael's going to be involved as well. So um, I think seven and a half points is way too many points to be giving up to the Jets for a Packers team that is Aaron Rodgers and I think some question marks um, across many facets of their football team. So, so give me my J E T S getting seven and a half in Lambeau and I'm going to go hashtag three a Michael Dunn <laughs> is going to beat the Patriots this week. Single <laughs> He's going to do it all himself. So hashtag three a pick. If you yes. want to add that to the bottom hashtag three a for my man, number 68 on the playbook, but number one, mine and Marissa's hearts, Michael Dunn, Cleveland Browns over the Patriots. I side, love it. Side. I love it. Amazing. Amazing. I, th I think you're the third straight uh, guest picker to go with the jets and it has proved well the last couple yeah. of weeks. So. Yeah. Um, there you go. And all those uh, reasonings were great. I mean, yeah. you're making me consider my picks. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, no, are you thinking Packers? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> speaking like of that. that, speaking of that, Marissa, you're next because you were two and one last week. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I actually had looked at um that, that Falcons game, but I am going to go with uh, Jaguars plus two at the Colts. Um, I know the Colts are coming off that weird Thursday night game last week, but. I think Doug Peterson, um, 
we'll we'll cook something up with I know the Jaguars have been like wishy-washy this year but plus two um I'm gonna go Jaguars and that um and then I I am going to believe in that Giants hype and go Giants plus six versus the Ravens um we just did a football GM podcast and Wink Martindale knows knows those Ravens real well so I'm hoping he's scheming up some good uh good ways to stop Lamar Jackson um so I am I'm going to hop on the Giants hype train and Ed, I don't know if they'll win, but I think they'll cover. Um, and then my last pick, we've talked about the Broncos looking really just not great this year. It chargers minus four and a half. I think the, obviously the chargers have had a lot of injuries as well this year, but um, I, 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 that Broncos team can't score. So I'm going to go chargers minus four and a half for my last pick. No one can score on Thursday night. Yeah, oh, brutal again brutal. last, last yeah. night. They got they got a raw deal. Amazon, man. Yeah, Oof. but you know what? It's a very talk Amazon about. will be fine. Yeah, it's, it's like the games are like so talked oh, yeah. about because they've been That's so bad. So, yeah, yeah. watch bad. Uh, nobody's nobody's going to stop watching them. Is the reality? Yeah. So. The other it's thing like people have brought up is you, it's really hard to change the channel. Like you kind of have to it's Amazon to yeah. Amazon because you're opening oh, yeah. the app and everything. And if you want to go to something else, yeah, what are you going to watch? Like Miss Maisel or something instead? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Amazon, uh, not prime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you're up next. All right. Uh, I'm going to pander to the audience. I'm going to pick jets plus seven and a half. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that line is a little high also. I, 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 yeah. I, I think I get why Vegas is doing it, but um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I, have Vikings minus three and a half. Uh, who are they playing again? I should write down who they're. Oh, the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, who are starting Skylar Thompson again, I believe. Um, so I'm in the Vikings. I've started to play pretty well. And the other one, I have the Seahawks plus two and a half, uh, riding the Geno Smith train. And uh, the Cardinals, I think, are pretty bad personally. So um, yeah, so I, that's that's my tri- trio. I'm hoping to get back on track here. We all need to get back on track. All right, my picks uh, to wrap things out that after listening to you guys, I actually don't feel good about these anymore. uh, (laughs) I'm going to stick with it because who knows? Uh, I'm actually going with a a big spread, which I always say I hate to do and then I always do, but I'm going to take the Bucks minus eight and a half Mm. at Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh's terrible. I thought about that one too, but I just think Pittsburgh. It made me. Yeah. The Jets Mm. want at Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And, And this Bucks team isn't like bothered by being on the road right with the you know what they've been through the Steelers are just bad so I'm going with that one although I don't feel great about it I'm going head-to-head with you Marissa taking the Ravens I Mm. agree the Giants are a a better football team this year but I feel like maybe they're reading the the press clippings a little too much this week coming off the win last week and a little return to reality uh this week and the Ravens get them by at least a touchdown uh and then Bills Chiefs. I'm going Bills wow. minus You're two gonna and a half. You're going to pick that game? Wow. That's, that's I know, right? Well, the, yeah. here's the reasoning, though. I feel like this happens a lot where team loses heartbreaking game in playoffs, and yep. then next year they get to play that team during the regular season, and they're just more up for it. Like, this Bills team is going to be so fired up for that game. Not to say the Chiefs won't be, but I think the Bills come out and think of it as a statement and make a statement and win that game. That doesn't John mean they're going to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, right? I mean, Sorry. it's probably... It's John probably Carlos two-run home run. No, oh, okay. God. Thank you for the live. <laughs> Sorry, that was important. I needed to interrupt. That was important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is probably the AFC Championship game, and maybe the Chiefs win then. But I think in this, this point in the season, the Bills have this game circled, and they win by at least a field goal. I think it'll be a great game, though. Uh, and, and that'll do it. Uh, Michael Dunn, 1A, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks, it's great to meet you guys finally. Yes, All right. thank you. Anytime.
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Can't Wait Podcast. You can join The Athletic, and you should, $1 a month, just $1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for that. All the great writing going on at The Athletic, uh, including Zach's write-up coming up on Monday of, who knows, maybe a Jets win in Green Bay. We'll see. If they win, we will definitely be with you on Monday. If they lose, it'll be Monday or Tuesday. That's kind of how we've been handling these things based on schedules. Uh, but either way, we'll talk about this one early next week. Uh, I think we forgot something, Zach. Do you have something to add before we go? I uh, don't have any actual Chris Traveler notes, but we do have to mention him. <laughs> um, I've, I've been good about So I, I should say I have a story coming out tomorrow that I hope people will read. I don't, I don't want to spoil it too much right now. But so I've been pretty focused on that. Um, it may or may not be yeah, about Chris Trevler. Exactly. That's a great way. I should that's how I should have teased it. Well, I was gonna <laughs> say if it's distracting you from Chris Trevler, then wow, it's gotta be a good story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good too. Yes. Also yeah. good all, all right. good point. All right, enjoy the game on Sunday and we'll talk to everybody.